The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. This week's episode is dedicated to girls and grit. This is my interview with Courtney Olson, and the title of this topic or the, is Fit Body, Sound Mind, Crushing the Stereotypes Around Girl Power. Arr, I love it. And girl is spelled G-R-R-R, and you can roll the R's if you want. You could right? Or you could just grrr, whatever it is. It's all about girl power with Courtney Olson today. So Courtney Olson is an American-Australian bodybuilder, personal trainer, athlete, and just all-around fabulous person. She joins me today from live from Comic-Con. Unbelievable. In June 2021, she broke the Guinness World Records for the fastest time to crush three watermelons between her thighs. Amazing. Now, she made her competitive bodybuilding debut in November 2011, and shortly thereafter, she migrated to Australia to become Australia's first ever female arm wrestling champion in 2012. I wish I had you around when I was negotiating some of like my medical contracts, because I could have sure used your strength in that arm. <laughs> she also is the founder of Camp Confidence. That, that's camp with a K and confidence with a K. And it is a camp which empowers and encourages and improves young girls' and women's sense of well-being. Olson is the founder and CEO of a women's clothing company and female empowerment movement called Girl Girl Clothing. And it has, in my opinion, some of the most eclectic and super cool leggings that I've personally ever seen. So congrats on that. And in January 2021, despite what the world was going through, she just flexed her muscle and her grit and she published her memoir titled Crushing It. How I Crushed Diet Culture, Addiction, and the Patriarchy. She joins me today via StreamYard, again, live from Comic-Con, to discuss crushing it with girl power and grace. Welcome, Courtney. Congratulations on all of your success. And thank you for becoming a beautiful member of this forever fab community. Hi. Thank you for having me. It was an amazing introduction, and you nailed a uh, girl. In yes. many different tones. I don't think I've heard somebody hit that many uh, different variations of it so successfully. So <laughs> I don't even know if I could do that. I don't, hey, oh, maybe, maybe. Okay. <laughs> Never okay. yourself. Cardi B, Cardi B might be calling you, girl. <laughs> so tell me about your at Comic Con. Tell me about this fabulous outfit. I love gold. So I'm seeing gold everywhere. Tell me who you are and who you're being. Girl, I'm uh, Chun Li, who I've actually got tattooed on my arm as well. She's the character in Street Fighter who oh. uses her legs and just 
wipes out all the dudes in the video game. <laughs> so <laughs> this is her less known outfit. It's from um, Street Fighter 2 Alpha, I believe is what it's called. So it's not as noticeable. But um, again, this is my first Comic-Con. So I, wow. you know, it's a bit like pro wrestling. Yeah. You know, you, you kind of, you got to give everything a go once, except for drugs, of course. Of but course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a really fascinating world. I mean, there's thousands of people here and they're all dressed up. Some are like, look like they belong on a movie set. And some look wow. like they just put a pillowcase, you know, uh, around their body and rocked out in a potato sack. But they're right. here and everyone's into it. It's quite an experience. So. It is it, it is a community. I'm so happy yeah. that you're there. And I'm happy that it's, you know, it's still happening and gives people an opportunity to just yeah. escape the madness that's going on in the world today. Yeah. Yeah, so show absolutely. us your outfit, Chun-Li. <laughs> Do a little modeling. Wow! I'm in a hotel, so let me... Yes! Yes! Oh my gosh, so great. And I see why you, you know, you broke that world record with, go ahead, flex, floss, <laughs> <amp>, supermodel work. <laughs> Fantabulous. All right, well, let's get into it. Let's hear okay. all about you. How did you decide to go into bodybuilding? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, Dr. Shirley, I got into bodybuilding. I've always been into muscle and, you know, I had an older brother growing up and, um, I idolized him so much. I used to try to pee standing up. I mean, I, <laughs> that's why he's eight years older than me. Oh you know, he was gosh. my superhero and oh. why I'm obsessed with Prince. So I'm yes. a huge Prince fan. It's all because of him, but you know, I wanted to be like him and be one of the boys. I grew up a tomboy in Northern California. So, um, muscle was always something I've just, I've been attracted to. And, um, I ended up, um, funny enough, uh, at 17, I was supposed to be the first female president of the United States. That was yeah. my ambition. Right, yeah. That, right. right. That and was my was goal. I think there was something on the application, like the, I don't know, crushing watermelons. They were like, yeah, no, maybe not. But yeah, you could have done it if it weren't for that. Right. Oh, well, I, you know, at 17, um, and you, you probably remember the name Kate Moss. Yes. Uh, so it would have been early nineties, you okay. know, and as a young impressionable girl, um, I hated my legs, which oh my today, gosh. yeah, I'm known as the woman with the world's deadliest thighs from Stan Lee, the creator of Marvel <laughs> comics, who yes. knew, you know, that I would go from being desperate to look like Kate Moss to then, embracing my legs. But back when I was, you know, a young person on the outside, it was very well put together, mm. but on the inside, um, a completely different story because I, I felt like my worth was attached to, you know, having a body that was bigger than everybody else in around me. And so, um, when I, when methamphetamines were introduced to me, even though I went through dare, I heard Nancy Reagan loud and clear, just say no. Right. Uh, <laughs> it clearly went in one ear and out the other. And even though I was the associate student body president, I was in a Christian rock band. I was um, captain of the cheerleading team, started the first girls golf team, 4.0 GPA. I mean, just a, you know, stellar student. Um, yeah. Um, I, I went down that path because I, you know, and I kept doing it because I was so desperate to lose weight. And, um, you know, as just a series of unfortunate events happened after that and uh, sent me down a super dark spiral for years. And so I got into bodybuilding as a way out, you know, of addiction and of course, alcoholism, because nobody explained to me as a young person. Um, and it runs in my family, you know, okay. my mom, 
bless her heart. We're, we're good friends today, but growing up, she was incredibly sick and with addiction Mm -hmm. and had, had somebody explained like, look, your mom is not a bad person who needs to get good. She's a sick person that needs to get well. And here's what alcoholism is and addiction. And, um, you know, whether that's learned behavior or hereditary or both, you know, I definitely walked straight into her shoes and, um, spent the next nine years just in this vicious, ugly downward spiral. And, you know, because I'm a white, um, charismatic, outgoing, personable woman, I was, yeah, I was able to talk my way out of plenty of, of bad run-ins, you know? Um, and it's funny because people look, they look at me and they're like, what, you were a a tweaker, you know, like, and you have all your teeth and you're, you know, I mean, just the, ex- the extreme um, side of it and being literally driving in a blackout almost on a daily basis for years. Um, wow. It's, it's, it, it blows my mind to this day. And the fact that, you know, Dr. Shirley, I still take it for granted. You yeah. know, I wake up and I've got pictures taped up above my uh, light switch. So when I get up in the morning, I can acutely remember, okay, this is where you were. Right. And so even though right now you're running a global you know, successful clothing line and it's incredibly difficult and you're teetering between being bankrupt and a millionaire every day, you know, (laughs) it's like, you still got to find, you got to find a way to be grateful that, you know, you're even alive and not in prison. So absolutely. Yeah. That being being said, I'm, I'm just happy you're here. Me too. (laughs) Right. And and it sounds (laughs) as if, and we'll we'll talk about it a little bit later because I I do have a question about adversity for you. But it really does sound as if, um, and I know it's easier to say that in hindsight, right? But it sounds as if this dark path spiral that you um, went through was kind of meant for you to emerge, to become the leader, the motivator, and perhaps the savior for other people. So I'm not saying thank goodness it happened to you, but it's just very interesting how you emerged from that death spiral, frankly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, I really resonate with, um, there is a book called your soul's journey or your soul's plan. I mean, I, (laughs) I always use the excuse. I'm like, Hey, if you smoked meth for nine years, my memory is not that sharp. It was had a massive impact on me. I might not remember the exact title, but I believe it's yeah. Your soul's journey or your soul's purpose by the guy's name is Robert Schwartz. And Mm -hmm. Um, he talks about, um, he does past life regression and that, you know, he interviews all these people and, um, you know, whether it's the woman who opened up a pipe bomb and blew off half of her face or, um, the mother who lost her son to addiction or all of these things that we see as adversity, we actually, our soul signed up for these experiences before we inhabited these bodies. And it said, yep, I want these messed up parents. I want this jacked up experience. I want to see what that feels like, you know, in order for us to transcend and come and have these experiences. And, you know, even when we don't make it out of them, but that is what our soul signed up for was to, to experience that. And we go on and, you know, this concept of energy can't be created nor destroyed. And right. it's just, just change. From one yeah. To yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, that, that really resonated with me in thinking that, okay, this is obviously my life's journey and my life's path. And, uh, to really shine a light on addiction and alcoholism because so many people, you know, just don't know. And it's, it's become, you know, it, it, with all, I tell you, I missed national like sobriety date or something two days ago. Cause 
you know, and then the week before that was like National Overdose Day awareness. Yeah. And there's yeah. always something going on. There's always but, something to be aware yeah. of. Yeah. So, but with, with social media and, and where we are today, fast forward from 10 years ago, I think is leaps and bounds ahead in terms of people, you know, uh, breaking down the stigma and yeah. understanding that this is a, a mental illness. I mean, I can't explain it, but whenever I put some kind of mind altering substance in my body, I just, I turn into, it's like Jekyll and Hyde, yeah. you know? And I'm, I was not a bad person, but I, I truly turned into one. Like I'd steal your wallet and help you look for it type of stuff. And that today, you know, clean and sober for 11 years, I'd take the shirt off my back for anybody on the street, you know, like, um, so yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a remarkable journey and yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, speaking of journey and transcendence, you actually did transcend quite a bit now (laughs) and knowing that the field of competitive bodybuilding, because you did do it competitively, knowing that yeah. that field was male dominated, frankly, certainly several years ago, did yeah. you experience um, gender discrimination? I presume that you did. And if you did, how did you handle it? It's a great question. There's definitely, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say discrimination outside of uh, the way the judging is mm-hmm. conducted. So I have um, a lovely double A cup and an A cup <laughs> and <laughs> massive right. legs. There and is beauty in asymmetry. I say it. That's <laughs> right. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I had a judge tell me one time you would get a lot further if you balanced out your top half with your lower half mm-hmm. because my legs were so over dominating. And, um, you know, you see it often with women who compete where, you know, there's implants and they get, we would get so lean that just literally looked like bolt-ons, yes, you know? Like, yes, I've seen it. Yes. That's, it's <laughs> wild. Um, and I did, I did eventually get breast implants and it was, uh, about 2014 and I decided I wanted to go, um, and give a shot at the Olympia, which is a huge main stage. And I thought, right, I'm going to get implants put in. Mm-hmm. And it turned out they were, um, the surgeon that I saw had falsified a few of his, his documents Ooh. and he was quite a, a seedy man. And I was in hindsight, right. There's a lesson to learn in everything. So when we point a finger, we've got three fingers, fingers pointing back at ourselves. So yeah. what was my part in the situation? My part was, I didn't do any research and I was just drawn to this surgeon because I heard him on like my favorite, you know, radio station, which was like EDM music. And I was like, he must be hip. (laughs) (laughs) And I should have ran out the door as soon as I walked into his office and saw like all the gaudy gold airbrushed, super young, white, you know, just unbelievably false narratives around women's bodies. And he had his shirt all the way, like buttoned down to here with his Whoa. chest tape. Yeah, I know. Like, it's, <laughs> it's so ridiculous in hindsight. And um, it, it, after three months of having him in, one started filling up with fluid and it, it was always a problem ongoing. And it turned out that brand actually was recalled. Yeah. It was al- allergen and they were the Brazilian gummy you know, mm-hmm. yeah, ones and over under the muscle. Um, I eventually developed Graves disease. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And there was like, I have residual silicone under my right armpit and they came back fully intact. So, wow. um, yeah, I, th- I think the surgeon just didn't do a great job and it, you know, at the end of the day, um, I've met so many women who have been 
absolutely flabbergasted with the results and love them. And I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I've, I'm so happy for them, but that yeah. just wasn't, wasn't my experience. Um, and you know, and whether or not those caused my Graves disease or if it contributed to it, or if it's just stress related, or I'm right. sure there's a lot of factors, but, of um, yeah, so that was really the, 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 bigger thing. And then of course the, the difference in, um, prize money, like women ah. were getting $5,000 checks, maybe, maybe. And men wow. were, you know, 50 to $75,000. And that's huge. That's a huge difference. Yes. Yeah, absolutely absurd. And, you know, it's unfortunate because if you look at women's bodybuilding back in the nineties and even early two thousands, um, compared to what it, rolled into 10 years on and, and moving forward, yes. um, it, it did become a bit extreme, you know, women. And I've, I've always veered down the natural side because as an addict, I, you know, I was like, I know that I would probably, I'm, obs- I want to be big. I love being huge and yeah. just being buff. And like, I want to turn sideways to walk through the door. So I <laughs> probably wouldn't have stopped. And then, you know, I would have definitely crossed over that line. And I, I, I love my femininity. Yes. You know, I love having that feature of being a soft, sexy woman. And I didn't want to lose that edge, you know? Right, so right. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't compete for, for too too long and there's a lot of natural leagues but just the prize the the incentive in the end you know really turned me off and I that's why I got into sports like CrossFit because mm-hmm. not that I have any intention on ever competing in the Masters you know I'll be 40 next month but or November let's not get ahead of ourselves um, <laughs> still have <but> time <laughs> that's right but they they have equal pay like they're mm. top they're they're women and men are both paid like $500,000 for wow. winning. Yeah. The world's world's fittest man and woman the, at the CrossFit Games. So, yeah. and that might even be more now. It might even be closer to a million. Um, but that, that was a real big, you know, eye opener for me yeah. and saying, okay. So, and the fact that they even have a league called natural league, the, the assumption, yeah. the assumption would be that whatever is not a part of that league is clearly doing yeah. something unnatural. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And in, in which case, I mean, do you really, mm, I don't know, I guess it's a fine line. You, you can't judge it and say, well, if it's not natural, then, you know, then it shouldn't, you shouldn't be awarded that much prize money because then that sort of puts a judgment on what looks good for different people. So we yeah. won't go there, but it is interesting that there's a natural league. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're called, you know, drug tested federations. And, and funny enough, when people do use, um, uh, performance enhancing drugs are usually doing a lot more work. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause it's, it's not like you use them and then all of a sudden you're got a edge, like you've got no. to bust your butt, but no. at the same yeah. time, you know, especially for women, it's a real slippery slope yeah, if no you kidding. will. Yeah. yeah. And for men. So, um, but yeah, so I, I did that and it was, it was great and it, it pulled me out of addiction, you know, and, and swapping one, addiction for another, (laughs) but at least this one is, you know, and everything we can do in excess, you know, like everything we can do. There's always, it was funny when I went to rehab there, the, this black woman was walked in the head of the whole hospital and she was carried herself. I'll never, ever forget her. She had such an impact on me Mm. and she walked in and she conducted, you know, our orientation and everybody was in there just on their butts, you know, like just wiped out. And she asked a question and she said, well, what's the purpose of life? 
you know, to the class and everybody is like, make money, you know, find happiness and all these different answers. And, um, and finally it just came to me and I said, um, um, find balance. And she started jumping up and down and she said, (laughs) that's it. That's it. That's great, Courtney. And I love a good girl. Yeah. You know, when I'm a good girl, I'm just yeah. I, that external validation. Hey, yes, you know, I'll, yes. I'll get past it one of these days. One but, of these days, maybe. You know, one of these will. days, yeah. yeah <laughs> but I'll, I'll never forget being like, okay, I got that right, and, and it's <laughs> held true because finding balance. You know, even in working out, um, and even being 11 years clean and sober, I still have to check myself constantly and of say, course. okay, how? You know, it's like we always have four pots of boiling water but three lids yeah you know it's like yeah. okay relationships good works good but my personal wellness sucks yeah. you know let me yeah. and so it's this dance of always shifting stuff around but well it is a dance for sure yeah. and there's yeah. a choice there's a, there's a choice if not several choices to make absolutely every single day you know yeah. they say that happiness is a choice and I know some people yeah. refute that and get really upset by that but there are choices that we have to make absolutely every single day in this dance. I, I like your metaphor in this yes, dance yeah. dance called life, right? We're up, we're down, yeah. we're diagonally. And it's you're two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. Like you're constantly, you know, in that yeah. old saying, like, even if you fall, fall for you fall on your face, you're still falling forward. Yeah. So. Yeah. You're going forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might be with a few scabs, but get up, girl, put some makeup over it and I know, walk right? on. Keep it moving yeah. onward, upward, that's, and forward. Right. That's now, right. what prompted you to move to Australia? Because this was a time when lots of great things, presumably, were going on for you in your life. And you just decided to be like, yeah, no, I'm out. So why yeah, that's a great so far? <laughs> and why Australia? That's a great question. So there's a part in my book. Uh, my book's really broken up into three sections. The first section is, you know, talking about body image and growing up with uh, uh, alcoholism in the family and the impact that had and experiencing a rape. Um, so it, I'm not big into trigger warnings. I feel like life doesn't have one. And, you know, it's it's okay to experience your feelings. And that's mm-hmm. how we work through things. But um, it took me a long time to get there, I suppose. But that, that whole part and... Um, you know, on the other side of that, I stumbled into uh, what is called the muscle fetish industry. And so the middle part of my book is about discovering this world. And as a bodybuilder, I had absolutely no idea. I thought men thought beauty was what was on the cover of a magazine, hence why I was so desperate to try and you know look like Kate Moss as a younger person. Um, a ripped up Kate Moss with muscles, nonetheless. <laughs> but I was desperate for that thigh gap. Yeah. And believe um, me, Kate doesn't look like you. <laughs> no. <laughs> and it's so funny. Uh, I'll have to. T- I would love to send you a copy of my book. But um, she really came full circle at uh, our last live event in Las Vegas. We had it at the Palms Casino, and we were in. I was in the penthouse. We did yes. a special event there on the Monday, and I walk into this grand bathroom. Right Right, marble, Um, marble, white marble, floor to ceiling, walk-in shower. You could park a car in there, and I'm just looking around like, "Wow, this is incredible! How amazing!" And I turn behind me, and who is on the wall the size of this picture back here? It's Kate Kate Moss. Oh my Kate Moss stretched out on a couch, like on a telephone, with her tiny legs, and I'm like, "This is unreal!" Unreal. Unreal. That means you have to meet. 100%. 100%. Um, But this muscle fetish industry situation uh, was 
I was on Craigslist and at the time I was the internet sales manager for like eight car dealerships, hated my job, yeah. had no purpose. And I found that to be, you know, the number one cause of my depression was not having purpose and feeling mm-hmm. like, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? You know? Yeah. Um, and I found this ad and it said muscular calf video shoot. It was a hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. And it was like ballerinas and athletes need apply. And I'm like, what is this? So I took yeah. a picture of my calf muscles, sent it off to this guy. <laughs> And the next thing I knew, Doc, my whole world opened. And I was introduced to this uh, world where, and I'm, um, even though it's still niche, obviously, but it, it, um, all over the world from all, all countries you could possibly imagine these men, because as women, we're programmed differently, you know, well, I can't drink, but I mean, if we could have a glass of wine and snuggle and cuddle and have a deep yeah. and meaningful conversation, we're yeah. good. But yeah. men are programmed to, you know, they're visual and then they're, you know, you would know this better than I would obviously way above my pay grade, but <laughs> they're into everything from like women's feet to hairy armpits to all of these things as women, we think we're disgusting, you yeah. know, yeah. and we're programmed to, you know, shave, like shave all, shave your whole body, but they're the Middle East, I'd get guys that want to pay me a ridiculous amount of money to grow my armpit hair out wow. and send pictures of it, sweat in a sports bra, and then send it over. <laughs> over. Like, what? What? And, and yeah, so then you've got those kind of little fringe things all the way over to demonstrations of strength. So wow. men wanted to wrestle, arm wrestle. That's how I got into arm wrestling. Um, that's how I got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and became a state champion. Um, wow. Lift and carry. They want to get picked up and carried around, girl. Interesting. So, p- piggyback rides, shoulder carries, fireman carries, cradles. <laughs> Whoa. And normal, uh, everything from pediatricians, dentists, federal court judges to computer programmers, mechanics, and then up to lawyers and CEOs. But just – wow all different walks of life. And I thought, wow, how interesting is this? You know, it really made me think about how gender norms um, have a massive impact on us because these guys, you know, and before I started working with women and being in the space that I occupy now of empowering women to take up space and love their body and, you know, be loud and proud and on and on, I was really working with men, I suppose you'd say, and say, look, there's nothing wrong with you for liking these things that aren't mainstream and admiring what isn't deemed as beautiful to right. uh, society, you know, voluptuous women or all sorts of different stuff. So um, it was, it was quite eye opening, and to see how, you know, yeah, men are, are also in um, a bit of a peril because they're born into this box as men. And it's yeah. like, you act like a man, you don't yeah. cry, you know, you're the breadwinner, you're the rock, you man up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And whereas us, we can come home and I, you know, I could say to you, oh, my gosh, Shirley, I was, <laughs> my boss yelled at me today. <laughs> but if, you know, my husband came home and did that, I would. Yeah. You'd raise an eyebrow like, hmm, yeah, I'd be like, OK, baby. <laughs> yeah. You need to harden up. <laughs> right. So it was a really fascinating experience to just be introduced to this whole world that I had no idea existed. And I mean, no, no sex, no, I would blog about it. You know, my, I knew my dad would read my blog sometimes and, you know, so it wasn't anything that, um, I was, I was ashamed by any stretch of the imagination because I wasn't, you know, it was still considered sex work, I guess, but it wasn't sex work. If you know what I mean? It doesn't sound like it it was. Yeah, it wasn't. It was, I would stay, I I would get paid a lot of money to stand around often and just flex and men, 
men find calf muscles more attractive than a pair of breasts. Wow. Yes. That's why I had to write this book. I'm like, women, because, you know, after I went through this and I did it for a couple of years. And funny enough, that's how I met my husband. Uh, He had he was a fan and was just attracted to muscular women and flew me and my now ex boyfriend out to Australia Wow. To to do a wrestling tour, and that's when I met him, and we fell in love. And the other, oh. the third half of the book is the love story, and it's, yes. it's super adorable. But um, you know, um, I I just it just completely blew my mind. Yeah. And um, and uh, but uh, after in doing that, you know, you do it for a couple of years, and even though it's empowering, and you're in a position of like, oh, men are saying muscle goddess. But I still was focusing on the outside as opposed Mm. to the inside, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. I say often compliments are like lines of cocaine. I don't know what our, how old our listeners are, but you know, I say it's a very expensive thing and it wears off really quick and it doesn't last, you know? So we, we, you know, hear these things, but they only fill us up for a really brief second. And I got really... I got really burnt out doing that and, you know, um, looking for validation from other people. Yes. And when you're constantly in a state of, you know, working on your body and like trying to look a certain way, yeah. you don't take the time to go within and put pen to paper and, right. you know, work, work through your stuff, you know, and, and really dig in and analyze, okay, well, where did this come from? Why do I have this insecurity? Who first told me that? What's yeah. this belief about, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was, uh, it was definitely time to, to move on. And, um, I wanted to now tell women, I wanted to grab you in the street and say, Oh my gosh, you have an amazing, butt!" you'd be like, Oh my gosh, I just left the house thinking my yeah. butt was black. <laughs> I'm sure it's not, but yeah. you know, and then now all of a sudden we're best friends. And I, I yeah. realized that that feeling of getting a compliment from another woman, especially yeah. a stranger yeah. was electrifying. It is. And I oh, do it often. I make yes. a point to do it at Same. least once a day. Anybody random yeah. on the street, like, oh my God, your hair looks fabulous. I could tell. Yeah. I could tell the way you you greeted <laughs> me straight away when I got on, and you were I could you were like my hype girl, you know. <laughs> and that's that's what's up, and that's yeah. what we've moved into in this now era. I believe is women have really truly experienced you know, that that's how we're born. We're not yeah. born backstabbing, catty, jealous, bitchy no. beings. It's the the narrative around what we see in the media and advertising and, you know, all these uh, institutions. And of course, um, but we're, we're not, we're, we're designed to lift each other up. And then when we come together, then like you said, this community that you've built, uh, that's when the miracles happen when you feel supported and in, in amongst a community where you're not judged and you're amongst like-minded women striving towards the same goal. Absolutely. Know? That's, that's yeah. incredible. And I love, there's so many things in your answers that you said that completely resonate, you know, with me too. I mean, one of them was that hopefully we will grow and keep learning about ourselves to evolve, to stop seeking external validation, yeah. because frankly, Everything that we need is within. It's just yes. it's just hard to believe that, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So on that note, let me ask you: Are you prouder of your physical strength or your emotional and mental resilience? That's a great question. Nobody <laughs> believe this. Nobody has ever asked me that. 
I go in. I go in. I go in. Bro, that's good. I've I've done I've done it. This is my first rodeo. That's outstanding. You know, I as much as I want to say the body, I I I definitely would say the mind because it's um it controls everything. And once I um, became privy to the notion that our beliefs control everything and our yeah. subconscious is 40 million times more powerful than our conscious mind. Uh, you know, I, I feel like definitely the, the mind component, because we always hear like, Ooh, mind, body, soul connection. And you're yeah. like, well, is it earth, wind and fire song? Like, what does that even, <laughs> what does that even mean? You know, I just right. often for so long, I regurgitate things that I hear and I don't consciously connect to what the actual meaning of it is. And so right. When I think about it, and I was like, "Okay, great, got the body. I've been at that since I yeah. was, you know, in in single digits. Got the spirit component. I've got that. You know, I've had some spiritual experiences. I've explored different things. But when it came to the mind, it never once occurred to me. And we're not taught this stuff in school that no. you know we're we are not our thoughts and um, how we control or how we build beliefs. Yeah. And then, you know, a majority of those we create between ages zero to seven years old because we're not fully conscious and we're in that theta brain state and everything is black or white, you know, right or wrong. There's no gray area. And then that goes in our subconscious and that programming runs our life where we spend like 95 to 98% of the day and we're not even conscious of it. No, right? what? what the heck? I mean, that so, programming is intense. Yeah, it truly, truly is. And, uh, you know, so to, to come out the other side of addiction. And I mean, cause I, again, looking at myself, you know, you would think like, uh, she couldn't have been that bad, but on a scale of one to 10, I was an 11, you wow. know, um, wow. absolute 11. And wow. I, I, like I said, I take that for granted every day. I mean, I would be in, um, Oakland, you know, when I was living in Oakland and on, you know, the 580 freeway with six lanes of traffic and I would put my hazards on put the seat back, pretend like I had a woman passenger giving birth and I would drive in the shoulder and be like, okay, you're going to make it girl. We're almost there. Like I was driving to the hospital. Like, wow. Absurdity, absurdity. Um, so to, to, to be able to, you know, say I've got 11 years, which is a miracle in and on its own because addiction is, so fascinating, you know, and it's so easy and it doesn't have to be chemicals. Like so many of us have, um, even Other like addictions, yeah. sex and love addicts, like that's becoming, um, that that's surfacing to the top a lot more. Cause there's a lot of guilt and shame around that as well, you yeah. know? Um, and, uh, but from shopping, you know, been there, uh, yeah. you name it. And even social media, like there are 12 step meetings now for people who are addicted to their electronics. Yeah. Um, which is so easy to do. And I think you and I should keep in touch because maybe we, 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 I don't believe in, you know, connections happening just by happenstance or coincidence, but I feel like maybe a no technology retreat for adults is like the next big thing, you know, like a week without our phone. Um, cause that's what we would did at camp confidence with these girls. They, they didn't know, but they would show up and it was a dead zone yes. and, uh, they didn't have their phone. And even as the, you know, uh, adults running it, it was really uncomfortable for the first couple of hours, but then magic happened when, when you were disconnected and we were out yeah. in nature, like it was truly transformative. So I don't know if I would be able to survive because speaking I of know. shopping addiction, I mean, me and I mean, Jeff Bezos and I, they were talking about I'm, some other woman, but it's like my Amazon situation and my Amazon addiction is 
pray. I get it. I'm 100%. 100%, 100%, girl. And it's the pandemic's fault because prior to that, I was like, yeah, sure, once in a while. But I mean, since March 2022, it was like, ding, 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 ding. That's real talk. (laughs) It was like Pavlovian. Yep. So speaking of Camp Confidence, tell me about that. What inspired you to create it? Yeah, that's a, another great question. I, Thank you. I, you're, you're really good. Like it is a skill to interview people uh, and to be able to just pick up on those little bits and then carry off with those. I'm, yeah. I just want to point that out. Well, thank uh, you so very much. I feel yeah. that it is my, um, first of all, it's my honor. It's an honor that you're giving me yeah. your time. And I thank also you. feel that it's actually my responsibility to um, give you the best platform that I could give you. And I am genuinely interested in you. I want to know your story. I eat it up. I love people. I love their stories. And also obviously for the listeners, why am I going to waste somebody's, you know, 15 to 30 minutes, like listening to wah, 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 wah. So I put in the work, I put in the work and hopefully it's good for you. So thank you for that compliment. It's It's really great. The flow is just astounding. Beautiful. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Um, but with, with camp, I'm acutely aware that I'm like, no ums and so is my That's go-to okay. word. I've got it's good. progress. It's progress, <laughs> not perfection. That's right. Right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like your Wonder Woman cuffs, you know, boom, boom. <laughs> hey. Exactly right. Uh, so camp, you know, when I, uh, was 17 and came out the other side I had a drug counselor say okay you know because this my high school said well do you want us to tell your parents or do you want us to see a, do you want to see a drug counselor I'm like mm. obviously a drug counselor so when saw this drug counselor and um he said why'd you do it I said I wanted to lose weight he said great I have the perfect solution I know a guy who's an ex-heroin junkie a golden gloves boxing champion and he's wow. married to a nun what could possibly go wrong right <laughs> I said okay so I went out to this guy's class and he was 72 and I was 17 and he took a liking to me straight away. And I had three days clean and he said, I want to make you my next prize fighter before I retire and come out to my house, order some equipment. And um, I'll keep this very brief because it's not, you know, a, a super exciting story um, or a feel good story. But um, I, I thought, you know what? Okay. I threw away my goal of, of presidency to become a world champion boxer. And then now I can help mentor younger girls to not make the same mistake that I did. And unfortunately I got out there and the man did not have my best interest in mind and uh, I ended up getting sexually assaulted. And oh that, God, like I said, God. yeah, it, it, it drove me through, um, drove me down a really dark place for several, several years. Yeah. Cause I thought it was my fault. You know, I left and he didn't try. I had a pager back then. (laughs) He didn't try and page me. He didn't call. And I thought, right, I let him on. I shouldn't have taken a drink of, you know, I shouldn't have hit that joint, which was laced. Um, I just didn't know any better. And um, so so sorry. Yeah. It's, but like you said, you know, we go through these things and we work through them and they make us who we are. Like this makes me stronger. This has taught me resilience. And, and I've been able to forgive this person and understand that sick people make sick decisions, yes. you know? Um, and he obviously had experienced something that caused him to react yeah. that way. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, work, work through that. And, um, but my, that was my first vision of wanting to work with teenage girls. 
even yes. though I was only 17 at the time myself, but I was, you know, then looking at like 12 year old girls. So right. um, when I got out to Australia um, and then met my husband and I thought, right, well, married women don't really, you know, roll around with uh, strange men in hotel rooms in a bikini and wrestle and choke them out. So I might as well, <laughs> you know, transition into something else. And, oh, that's, and that's where my, my first brand was born confidence by Courtney with a K. And I thought, all right, I'm going to empower women, share this message. And my husband ended up getting a job as the CEO of a national rugby team, which is like the oh. equivalent of say our Raiders or yes. um, 49ers. And, yeah. and I, I came on as an assistant strength training coach to the under twenties team, which was like the beef eater team and was only there for about a week. Um, and the day before this story broke, I had applied mm. with big brother, big sister, because even though I was in Australia, which was still very much a boys club, misogynistically structured society, you know, yes. like you turn back then you turned on the TV and women were um, doing school drop-offs and pickups, ironing, cleaning the toilet, you know, yeah. um, and the men were barbecuing, changing tires and drinking beer on Forex yes. Island. Right. So, yeah. uh, I, I knew I wanted to mentor a teenage girl, even though I was in this role as a woman in a predominantly male industry yes. and that was great and everything, but I still had this void and I still wanted to, to teach girls, the things that I wasn't taught, like how to be assertive, mm -hmm. how to say no and feel good about it. What's alcoholism and addiction? You know, what's, what's proper nutrition. Um, yes, so yes. I had uh, applied with big brother, big sister. And then the next day a reporter did some digging around the internet and found, you know, some old content from me in my wrestling Ooh. days. And I had, uh, there was an adult only website where I had videos on, but it was me crushing watermelons and arm wrestling men. So it wasn't like there was anything on there. I wouldn't want my grandma to see, but because of the affiliation, yes. this, this reporter wrote a story and it was basically CEO hires ex fetish porn star wife, <laughs> train the under twenties. And they took How like, sensational. it was absurd. Yes. They took the raunchiest photos off my Facebook and placed oh. them in such a way where it was just a scandal. And what happened from there, Dr. Shirley, was as I discovered the world of syndication. Because oh, all yeah. of a sudden, I had fans in Denmark sending me pictures of the newspaper. And I'm like, wow. how is this news? This is yeah. not news. This is, yeah. this is a tiny corner of Australia. Like what? And they went into everything. And they of portrayed course. me as a nasty, dirty, classless, tasteless or basically who oh was a, a former drug addict and you know oh. how irresponsible of my husband to hire somebody to bring into this organization whereas a year prior a different football team in new zealand the all blacks their lead uh, player had married a proper porn star and the whole country <laughs> was high-fiving a proper one and the whole country was high-fiving him, right? Great job. Well, you know, oh way to go. God. Well done. Celebrating their wedding on the cover of, you oh know, magazines. Gosh. And so it became super evident. And I had just watched a documentary by one of my heroes. Her name is um, Jean Kilborn. And it's called Killing Us Softly. And this woman has been having this talk since the 70s, where she's been pulling out 
article or um, advertisements of women in magazines, newspapers, you know, from the wonder bra to you name it. And she's, she's in her seventies now and still she's on like version four Um, and just remarkable. And I just finished watching that documentary and I was like, Oh my gosh, here I am as a woman being portrayed you know, as, um, just the, the scum of the earth, whereas men, false narrative. Yeah. and men can go out and do whatever they want. And, you know, and, and they are, they're, that's what they do. And that makes them family or what have you. So between that and then the power of syndication and realizing at that point that, okay, the media is really ran by six corporations worldwide. Cause this narrative was UK, India, New Zealand, and Denmark. I mean, all over. And I'm yes. like, how did that even happen? So right. Yeah, I um uh the month of December Australia basically shuts down for Christmas where we get like two days and then get back to work. Yes. Uh so I'd almost forgotten about the application, but in January they they called me and I was like, Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just throughout that whole thing, right? Because I mean I was on the front page of the Sydney Morning Herald with a little black box over my boobs and just getting raked through the coals and oh, wow. Moms were like, I don't want that slut to train my son. And I'm uh, like, what do you think your son's reading in the locker room? Scientific <laughs> weekly today. Like yeah. I, I haven't even. Uh, so anyway, yeah. but because I had done the work and 12 step recovery, you know, and I, I knew, you know, I know where I've been, what I've done, who I've made amends to where I'm going, how I'm getting there. When I put my head on my pillow at night and I go to bed, you know, I know I'm a good person. And you know, you weren't, you're not the headlines. Yeah, that's right. And you know, it, it, I I was doing okay with it until I got the call from big brother, big sister. And they said, Hey, Courtney, we got your application. We're truly sorry. We think, you know, what you're doing is great Looked at your website, but unfortunately if a mentor can look you up and see what you've been doing and unfortunately you're quite in the media while we can't work with you. Hung up the phone, had a just guttural like response bald sobbed for a solid 15 minutes and it was like yeah. someone took my heart out and stomped on it and said you know what and then I thought maybe I am that worthless piece of trash that they're they're saying and um then I had what I call a god shot it was like the word no flashed across my mind and all of a sudden I got really angry yeah and it was like god whoever that might be and yeah. if for anybody listening you know, here's that word and, and freaks out. I, I think of it as good orderly direction. Oh, good or, for you. I like that. You know, yeah. Dog spelt backwards, unconditional yeah. love. You can kick your dog, not feed it. It's still going to come for the most part. I don't yeah. recommend kicking yeah. your dog. I'll kick you back. <laughs> uh, but you know, that unconditional love, um, just thinking, okay, God is you know, spirit of the universe, mother nature, whatever you yeah. want to call it. Yeah. Came down and slapped me upside the face with a wet wash <laughs> And it was like, nope, not today. Girl, yes, that's exactly right. And it was like, no, I'm going to run a, I'm going to start a program ran by people who've been there and done that and not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. And so I did, I sat at my kitchen for um, kitchen table for nine months and created camp confidence, which is essentially the five habits, lessons, and principles that lead to the development of self-love and then thus a sisterhood. And wanting to show these teenage girls that this is why we're held back as a gender is Mm. by our own doing, you know, and these girls were coming and they were cutting themselves and uh, the self-harm was just, it was such an epidemic in the Gold Coast in Australia where I was at. Um, So, and the self-loathing I think is self is, is learned. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. <clears throat> that was the other thing as I discovered is they would come, be broken. Two days later, they would leave with 10 new best friends thriving. Wow. But then I'd see like, what fell apart? Ah, mm. you went home to your parents. <laughs> mm. So mom and mom needs this message probably two. even more so than you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So we did it for two years, had 62 graduates. And then um, one of my partners got pregnant. And in the downtime, my husband, who's just remarkable, said, why don't you take the same vision and mission and roll that into a clothing line? You oh, know, wow. so it's, it's a global thing. Um, so because the girls, we used to do uh, this body acceptance workshop. And yes. we do various, you know, dissonance based activities and stuff. And then they would all say the pledge. And I wrote the pledge for Camp Confidence. And then after they said the pledge, they get this little wristband that said Camp Confidence. And so when a girl would see another girl from a different camp out on the street, she would know that that was her sister and not her competition. Wow. It's like a sorority, but without, yes. without the alcohol, right? Yes, and without the and cattiness. Was, <laughs> that's right, without the cattiness. And it says, yeah. I, I solemnly swear to the best of my ability to refrain from talking negatively about myself as well as other girls. I am an equal amongst my peers and I do not see myself as neither better than nor less than through this pledge of non-judgment, I understand and embrace that I'm having a positive impact on the world and furthering the global revolution of body acceptance. And so that that's the pledge. pledge. That's the oh, pledge. Okay. I need a moment here because if that's <laughs> the pledge, um, that shouldn't just be for young girls and teenagers. Like yeah. uh, we could be saying that pledge, you know, at various stages of life. So please put that on a plaque. And mass produce it and sell it on Amazon, okay? Girl, it's on all of our hang tags with girl clothing. I haven't put it on a flag or put it on a piece of clothing yet. I don't know why, but I'm going to send you some leggings and you'll see when the, the tag comes, the pledge is on there. And then wow. on the other side, there's a, a space to, it's blank with lines. And it's yes. like, hey, girlfriend, I just want to tell you blank, blank, blank. And it's this wow. opportunity to write something whether, cause you know, sometimes it's awkward and yeah, I, you know, I have a practically a shaved head and a lot of times I, you know, I'm bisexual. Let's just put that out there. But a yeah. lot of women, I think sometimes you're like, Whoa, I'm, I'm married or I'm like, no, I'm just telling you, you have a great butt. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not trying to take you home. I'm you trying to hit like, on me. <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes I'm I am. I'm taking out the compliment. I'd be like, Oh my yeah. God, Courtney, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but, um, it, it, you know, but sometimes it can be it can feel awkward. And yes, I know a lot of women are like, Oh, I don't, I don't feel comfortable, but yeah, then that way, whether, that. Yeah. yeah, whether they're at the gym or especially if they have that coworker, who's really not, you know, easy to get along with. Well, that's yeah. generally because they hate themselves. Yeah. Right. As we know, when people are outwardly obnoxious and, and foul hostile. and disgusting and hostile, it's because internally they're miserable and they hate themselves. So, so you're why not right. Yeah, write them a little little note and be like, hey, blah, 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 stick it on right. their desk and off you go and That's watch awesome. the magic happen. Yeah. <laughs> so you teach and instill these values in these young women and you teach them what to do and also what not to do to help give them or help yeah. them regain that confidence. But let's take that a little bit further about what you're teaching at Camp Confidence. What do you teach or instill in the girls at the camp that you find is missing in the general upbringing of girls in society now? Is there cool. something that you want <laughs> girls to unlearn? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's the competitiveness. Ah. Um, 
it's the competitiveness, you know, and then it's all the small things that we are like how to be happy. Like you said, it's a choice. And, um, you know, in the, um, personal development part, which was, you know, on the Friday night, we would get the girls to make vision boards and explore, you know, all these different things, but we would go through, um, I created this journal and the first 20 pages are, you know, um, like applied exercises, if you will. And, uh, for example, we would, we would talk about gratitude and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a space for them to put in a picture or scrapbook or write or whatever. And we'd say, okay, well, what is gratitude? And talking about, um, I, I played the trailer to, there's a movie called the stoning of Soraya M, which is Mm -hmm. based on a true story. And, you know, it can only play the trailer because, you know, they they weren't 18. Right. Um, but this woman in the Middle East was accused of oh. adultery. Yeah. Oh, because her, her husband wanted a younger wife and he saw her talking to their neighbor and ran with that. And so she was accused of adultery and put into her wedding dress, buried up to her waist. And her father was the first one to throw the stones, followed by her two young sons. And oh my God. I you know, I would play that and I, I would stop and I'd be like, okay, now what you little shits don't want to excuse my French, but I was so, and I was almost in a rage. Yeah. Like you don't want to go to school because you can't, you have to, in Australia, they all wear uniforms, mm-hmm. you know, cause you have to wear a uniform or Jessica's, you know, bullying you. Like, do you know who Malala is? Yeah. Okay. Let me show you. Malala got shot in the forehead because she wanted an education and she wouldn't get off the bus and the Taliban shot her. Oh. So shut your mouth, like just crack down on them. And the, you know, cause they're just living out there in a place of privilege. Mm-hmm. And even though as you know, and as a white woman, like I, uh, this unlearning that started in 2017, you know, and, and understanding that because in my experience, white women have been so rooted in diet culture you know, that I haven't been able to focus on anything outside of myself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like paying attention to what else is going on in the world, whether that be, you know, um, environmental issues or racial injustice, Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and saying, okay, well, I thrive and I have privilege. Cause when I first heard that term, I was like, ah, you don't know about my life. You don't, yeah. know, you don't know what I've been through. And I don't know that. Right. You know, <laughs> you're trying like, to extrapolate yourself. Yeah. And then I'm like, <laughs> I was all, uh oh, I said, you know, I'm somebody that's done a fair bit of work, personal development, professional development. And it still took me a month to get past feeling defensive. And I was like, yes. uh oh. Yeah. <gasps> we got a little bit of a situation on our hands, but yeah, it's okay. It's we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Yes. Um, but you so, acknowledged and you were open yeah. to accepting and willing to examine yourself and do the work. Totally. Of, right. So totally. Absolutely. So totally. camp in general, you know, and it was the things that, um, you know, from fitness and nutrition and, um, you know, cause I did every diet under the sun in college yeah. from the Atkins diet to, well, I mean, you name it. So really giving them a breakdown of, you know, fueling our body mindful eating exercises we would take a um you know dark chocolate and all right close your eyes feel it on your lips smell it put it on the roof of your mouth connect to it and and you know being in the moment just there was so so much we went through yeah um but then also you know the the power of communication and understanding you know how powerful our words are and um the power of being assertive and that's something else that i'm really passionate about is 
helping women find their voice. And, um, you know, so there's just a ton of stuff. And the other one too is um, cybersecurity. Um, Cybersecurity was a huge, huge thing. Um, Because, you know, and I'd show them fake profiles of me and I'd be like, this was of course before getting a blue tick and all that stuff. Cause kids these days, they, you get a blue tick and they think you're Michael Jordan or something. Like, <laughs> really not that big of a deal. Honestly, I thought like I was going to get a red carpet rolled out and someone was going to pick me up in a limo and I'd have yeah. three eyelashes for the rest of my life, but that didn't work out. That <laughs> <laughs> doesn't quite work out the way we anticipate. No, right? it's just like, no. Wait a minute. That's not what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't the Britney Spears life. No. So, um, but yeah, really just unlearning the, this, this programming that, you know, we, yeah. we pick up from, Everybody else, and especially, especially the biggest thing, Doc, is um, that women are the weaker sex. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would talk to them and bring in the watermelon stunt, of course, yes. the crushing of the watermelon, and yes. say, "Look, you know, we are born with wider hips for childbearing, and that's where all of our power comes from. And this is the equivalent of like your mom pushed you out, and that's like yeah. having every bone broken in your body. And like we get up, and I don't have kids because I'd be in prison. I'm sure of it." <laughs> I don't know how all of you mothers do it. You are superheroes. Right? I do. I get women that poke their head into our clothing store and they're like, yeah. look around and they're like, oh, well, I'm not an athlete. I'm like, have you had a kid? Yeah. You're an athlete. Well, yeah. congratulations. You're a yeah. super athlete. Absolutely. You know? 100%. So, yeah. I, I, um, you know, but for them to understand that that is a societal belief yeah. and it's not true at all. Yeah. I agree with you 100% about the unlearning, which really is tantamount or equal to a reprogramming. Now, speaking of programming or reprogramming, how would you now, having gone through everything that you've gone through, how would you define body positivity? Like I know, you know, I know what it means, you know, commercially and in the media, et cetera, but how would you define body positivity? Another great question. Uh, Body positivity, I've stepped away from, well, for two different reasons. For I one came across a study on the BBC that was um, highlighting how even by still hyper focusing on our body, even if it's in a positive light, can have negative impacts. Mm-hmm. You know, and then also it's literally impossible, in my experience, to love your body every day. You know, there's always something that is off or, you know, whether we're on our period and like, cause now, you know, being 39 and the past couple of years when two weeks out before that, oh, wow. I mean, Mm. my whole mood changes and outlooks on things and energy levels. And of course my best is going to be different than when I'm actually start my cycle. Um, so focusing on body neutrality and saying, okay, Mm. I accept my body for where it's at and, and how it looks and what it does. And I'm grateful for, for that. You know, obviously that doesn't mean I'm completely satisfied with it, Yeah, but I accept it. And when, you know, and we say in recovery, acceptance is the answer to all of my problems today. Mm. Because once we accept something, then it's like, okay, then you can start working through it as opposed to like not accepting it and then fighting it and just like resisting. Yeah, it's like trying to pick something up off the ground with lightning shooting out of your fingertips. Yeah. It's impossible. So uh, focusing on body neutrality and saying, okay, you know, it, this isn't perfect, but hey, I have the ability to see, stand. I still have my teeth, you know, after years and years of abuse that I've put my body through. 
Mm. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily love my baggy kneecaps and yes, they're I, I'm in love with the VMO muscle, that teardrop muscle that's on the mm-hmm. inside left of the knee. And I cannot develop it for whatever reason. Um, so, you know, I, I look at it and I'm like, well, it's not there. And I have baggy kneecaps and they drive me nuts because they look like my mom's, but I accept it. It is yeah. what it is. I'm, I'm able to walk around. So I, I, I tend to uh, focus on body neutrality. And the other thing too, is learning about how, uh, the body positive movement was centered in the fat black community and Interesting, right? white cis gendered women came marching in and, you know, we take, we take the movement, we take the hashtag made it, made it our jam. Like yeah. we're still in able bodies, you know, like we're, and even, you know, uh, getting the word out about like, say um, I watched a documentary on lipedema. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea because, you know, you see women sometimes and they've just the, the massive oh yeah pipes for legs and their upper body is completely out of proportion. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah, they're not listened to. They're not believed. I just, I couldn't imagine the frustration and the struggle around that, you know? So just the, the acceptance around the, the fat acceptance movement and being like, okay, we'll look back at the, um, Baroque and the, yes. the Renaissance era, like women were voluptuous and big and, you know, so again, it's just something else that we've rolled in and, you know, taken yeah. over. And yeah. I was like, I don't want any part of that. Yeah. I, uh, so it's, um, yeah, I, 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 I guess that's where it's at today is just being like, okay, we're, we're neutral. We're neutral. I, I like that you use the term neutrality. Um, <clears throat> because there was, in, in my opinion, I felt that there was disparity, racial disparity with the whole body positivity movement. Yeah. And while I understood the intention and right. the purpose and the, um, I guess, the aspiration uh, for us to, you know, a- accept everyone as they are, I felt that there was some disparity involved. So with with body neutrality, as you describe it, I think that's more realistic. I I think it involves acceptance. And I also think it involves, you know, give, being grateful for what you do have, you know, sound body, sound mind, et cetera. Um, so yeah. I, I like that you mentioned that. And, and it's interesting because sometimes people say, well, how could you, you know, tell people they should love themselves, et cetera. You're a plastic surgeon, you know, you, you know, you, thrive or your business thrives, you're in the business of having people be unhappy with their body so you can change it. And I say, well, there's still a choice to be made. I'm obviously not forcing anybody to change how they look, but if they come to me and for whatever reason, increase confidence, you know, they love themselves, but whatever, they want to change a little something Then I hope that they're doing, and I hope my counsel helps them to do it from a place of strength and from a place of self-love as as opposed to a place of discrepancy, deformity, or, um, deficiency. Yeah. Right. That's amazing. And that's it. You know, you say it's the intent and the intention is, is, you know, well, what is that? It's like, are you doing this for yourself or are you, you know, trying to fit into a box? And cause that's what I found with my implants was they, I felt like, cause it's something new and shiny, you know, I'm like a magpie. I'm attracted <laughs> to the new shiny silver thing. And then I move on. You know, I get, yeah. I get bored very easily. Yeah. So after, you know, a couple months, I was like, ah, I sh- should have gone bigger. Uh, these are boring. <laughs> and I did lose some nipple sensation, which was devastating. Yeah. Mm. So, um, 
Like I said, poor surgeon should have come to you. But yeah, you know, and that's the thing. And it's, it's e- for each person to decide, you know, and it's like, everybody's got a different journey and experience. Yeah. And some people um, it's the best decision they've ever made. Yeah. And that's all them. And we need to just let people do their thing and be people and, because the easiest way to not look at our own SHIT is to look at other people's SHIT. Of course, of course. You know, so, um, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. You've been listening to part one of the Forever Fab podcast with my fabulous guest, Courtney Olson. Stay tuned for part two. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty, curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD. Live beautifully and help make the world a more beautiful place.